everyone. We're pleased to welcome a couple Canadian promo industry veterans back to our promo space today to talk about what business is like in Canada now that a lot of the COVID restrictions have been lifted. However, as we know, also in the States, staffing issues are slowing things down. Inflationary pressure is affecting buying power. So we're going to talk about that and also expectations for the summer and into the fall. As we talk, unless you're talking, if you could mute your mic, that would be great. So we can reduce any ambient noise. That would be awesome. Um, so yeah, as soon as you are ready to speak, you can unmute your mic and go from there. So here with us are Kathy Cheng, founder and president of Redwood Classics Apparel in Toronto, and Danny Bronstein, the Winnipeg-based director of client success for BAMCO in Canada. And both of them were with us in the fall for a promo space when capacity limits had been lifted a bit. But again, at that point, Canada was already experiencing the supply chain disruption and the staffing challenges and surging inflation, again, just like we are here in the United States. But we're going to talk to them today about how things look approximately eight months into further reopening on the other side of COVID, we hope. So, Kathy, let's start with you. What is reopening looking like in Ontario, just as like an Ontarian on the ground? Um, I know last week officials lifted the COVID emergency declaration after like 777 days, I think it was. So congratulations. So just curious, as a Canadian in Ontario, what are things like there right now? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, and I'm really excited to, to be able to contribute to the conversation. Um, I would say reopening is, in Ontario, I think there's a mainstream adoption of getting back to business as usual. However, there is a bit of cautiousness. Um, I personally don't believe business is back to usual yet, and part of that may be tempered by the fact that we do have an Ontario election coming up on June 2nd. So, um, you know, with an, uh, with the provincial election, I, I think there's a lot of noise and um, there's definitely a, a desire to go back to normal. Um, but we're not, you know, how do I put this? We are also continuing to um, have challenges with staffing, with supply chain. So I think what's happening in the U.S. is still happening up here, at least in Ontario, Toronto, for me here as well. Um, but I would say overall, it's cautious. And as much as we want business to be usual, I don't think it is usual. And that uh, the mainstream adoption of getting back to business, the desire is there. Great, thank you. Yes, that is um, a lot of the companies I've talked to Ontario are really echoing that, that yes, there's kind of a cautious optimism to it. And like you said, there are headwinds that are affecting coming back and some clients have come back, but a lot of them are so playing it safe because they're not sure um, after being burned so many times with, with COVID and going back under lockdown. And so people are just still playing it safe. Um, so yeah, not totally back to normal yet. So Danny, uh, what is reopening looking like in Manitoba? Again, just kind of as a Manitoban, uh, what you're seeing on the ground there. Yeah, thanks, sir. And again, yeah, for, first of all, thank you. Thank you so much to you and, and to Vinny for having me. These are always lots of fun to participate in, and in particular with uh, my old buddy, Kathy. Um, it, Manitoba, it, it was sort of strange here. I mean, we went from having uh, quite a few restrictions to none overnight. And, uh, you know, similar kind of from a, like a visibility standpoint, we went from having, you know, weekly updates to basically nothing so um it was kind of it was kind of a strange a strange transition in that way um and now it's kind of been left uh left up to folks just to take care of things on their own if you need to get vaccinated or tested you basically have to go to a pharmacy or a private clinic um to get those things done um from a business standpoint i mean there's no mask mandates but uh interestingly a lot of businesses are still choosing to enforce mask mandates which causes causes some friction and i expect probably affects those those businesses as well um you still see when you go to a grocery store you still see a majority of folks wearing masks um which is which is also interesting but people are out doing things uh we had a particularly brutal winter here uh i mean i live in winnipeg so Ontarians will laugh at us, but uh, it was particularly bad this year. We had the most snow I've ever seen in my life. I think actually it was the second most in, in record in, uh, since they started keeping track in Winnipeg, which is 
which is a lot. So uh, we had a lot of snow, late snow into, uh, you know, as few as, as recent as a few weeks ago, there's still snow here, believe it or not. And, uh, and that's been followed by tons and tons of rains. We've got flooding all around. So people are, people are wanting to get out and are chomping at the bit to get out to, to do business. But I think it's, it's likely affected the same businesses that were hit so hard. Um, the restaurants and a lot of the retailers, I think are continuing to, to really feel the pinch because the weather's just been, uh, been really difficult and people just haven't been able to get out like they'd like to. So it's, yeah, it's, it's been a sort of a tough reopening, I would say, um, from that standpoint. Sarah, if I may also just chime in in terms of Ontario, I think I failed to, to mention that, you know, as of March 21st, uh, masks were no longer required in settings such as the retail stores and bars and restaurants, gyms, communities, um, but they are still strongly recommended in public settings, indoor settings, right? Um, also, I think, you know, there's um, masks continue to be like required in certain areas. So, you know, public transit, in indoor premises and vehicles um, in those public transit bus, for example, buses, uh, their masks are still required. Hospitals and clinics that provide healthcare services, masks are still required. Um, and long-term care and retirement homes um, and, and, you know, like shelters or those are areas where um, the mask mandate still exists. And then the rest, if I was to personalize this for myself um, in our business, we still have a mask mandate, although the restrictions have been lifted. I think it it used to be about the government telling us what to do and giving us direction. And as Danny says, now it's more of, you know, what do you think as a leader within your organization um, you need to do best? Um, and I feel like we're moving a little bit away from the pandemic to an endemic. And also at this point, you know, there's, there's arguments and, and conversations about the medical requirement of the mask and at what level versus you know, how much of it is performative. And, and that's, you know, that's something I would put out there. I think with staffing being such an issue, it's, it's also being mindful of creating a safe environment and or um, ensuring that your team members feel like a safe environment is provided. Um, so, for example, in, in our business, um, you know, mask mandates are still, uh, it, it's still mandatory. We still have shift lunches, so we're minimizing. We're still doing social distancing. And unless it's required, um, it's only essential visitors that we're allowing to come in. And we're doing, you know, not as frequent, but if it's out-of-town guests and or uh, extremely required in special circumstances, then will we have visitors, Come in, but I think overall there's still that sentiment that let's be careful, uh, let's be cautious. So that's my two cents in terms of the you know feet on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. It's very similar to like here where things have become decentralized. Like you're saying, like the mandates have. I mean, there's still areas that are mandating masks um, that keep bringing them back and then and then lifting them and bringing them back, like like major cities. But in general, like you're saying, it's kind of up to certain businesses to mandate or recommend or not care or whatever it is that they've decided works for them. So, yeah, it's just a decentralization, I feel, at this point of um, restrictions and mandates right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, and Kathy, let's continue with you if we could. Business at your company right now compared to the last quarter of 2021 and Q1 of this year, especially with inflation skyrocketing, we're, we're experiencing the same thing. And in Canada, it's almost 7%. And that's the highest it's been in over 30 years. So we're also at eight, we're at 8.3. And that's since 1980, <laughs> since Carter was in was in office. So um, things are looking really great right now. And they're expecting to keep climbing here too. Um, gasoline is really expensive. Um, groceries are expensive. And that's all putting a damper on buying power. So with that in mind, um, how is business doing at your at your company right now? If I was to localize specifically to my business, I mean, if we were to compare Q4 of last year and Q1 of this year, uh, traditionally, we tend to be extremely busy in Q3 and 4. Um, we had a record, you know, season year last year. Um, Q1 has slowed down a bit, but that's very normal to just the buying pattern of 
of how, you know, our distributors buy our products. Um, but I would say, you know, as a premium apparel supplier and a, a premium kind of not an everyday, hmm, I won't say an everyday, but we're more of a premium supplier. So with that, we're finding that the conversations that we're having are very encouraging. Um, overall, it seems like as inflation happens and, and the economy um, and people are, are more conscientious about their spending, there seems to be a sentiment of wanting to rec- and for re- to recognize that there is, it's something to be said when a company invests in quality, you know? So it's not necessarily just what is the quantity, how much I can buy more than it is. How can I invest in products that will have longevity? So as, you know, as I mentioned before, a premium apparel supplier, yes, upfront, the upfront cost might be a little bit of an investment relative to, um, you know, a, yeah, um, I'll say good, better, best, and we'll put Redwood in the best category. Compared to a good t-shirt, you may be able to buy 100. Compared to a best t-shirt, you're maybe buying 60. But we are finding that there is a trend for companies to recognize the the impact of um, the buying local, that's number one, the impact of deglobalization and being part of that narrative. And also, they're also mitigating their own risk, supply chain risk too, by supporting local um, and also investing in quality. So the quality part of where you're going to get longevity. So you're getting the same budget you may be buying instead of, you know, having really short sales cycles, you're, you're having longer sales cycles, but they're also being more environmentally friendly with the product as well, because not only does it last longer, you're getting more value over the time and the number of wares, but you're also minimizing you know, I, I hate to call this that, but you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of brand fill and there's a lot of products that is a one-time use or a few times because it's not a great t-shirt or not a great sweatshirt. And then it ends up being a rag. So uh, that, that would be kind of how I'm, I'm seeing it. So I'm still optimistic. Um, and, and we are seeing, we're seeing larger programs come our way. We're seeing um, distributors looking at their supply chain and recognizing that, you know what, perhaps it's not all about just the budget and, and what's the cheapest thing that we can sell. Yeah, I think, Kathy, you know, you guys are well positioned for kind of the reality right now, which is that people are looking to bypass when they can some of the supply chain um, snarls that have really characterized the industry um, across North America for this past you know year, couple years. Um, so you're well positioned there. And like you said, the high quality items mean that the uh, the sales process is longer. So you're not constantly buying. So that that is another value add that you offer. So that is positioning you well for what buyers are facing right now. Um, yeah, well said. And Danny, you as well. So how is business at Bamco right now, especially Q4 and Q1 of this year? Um, again, inflation, you know, it's high. It's affecting buying power. But um, how is that impacting your buyers? Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen that impact yet, Sarah. Uh, business at Bamako continues to be really strong. Um, as you know, we had uh, a phenomenal year again last year. Uh, our Q4 was 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 especially strong in Canada. Our Q1 this year, we were up 75% in Canada over the, the previous year. So um, things, are, things are really, really quite bright right now. Um, Q2 also, we're, we're well ahead of where we were last year. I think we're up about 30% uh, over where we were last year in Canada. Um, and, I mean, I, I think we're fortunate in that we're, we're really just starting to kind of reap the benefits of some of the major infrastructure and technology investments that we were able to make over the last couple of years. I think I think it's unique to Bamco in that, you know, we really thrive during the pandemic and we're able to to really reinvest in our business and, and now we're starting to to really you know reap the rewards get get the fruit of those labors if you will uh, as opportunities are opening up that uh, that some of our competitors aren't able to aren't able to access um, as you know they had didn't have sort of a strong strong uh, last few years um, so that being said I'm with Kathy I mean you know we're we're, we're starting to see um, some more sort of caution coming in um, from our buyers. Uh, I think, you know, 
it's pretty clear that we could be heading into uh, into a, you know, I don't know if I want to say a recession necessarily. I'm certainly by no means an economist. I'm, I'm a swag man, but uh, we're clearly heading into a bear market. So I think people are starting to be a little bit more tentative. But um, fortunately, yeah, business uh, business of Bamco is strong right now. And I think uh, from what I hear and people I talk to, for the most part, I think the Canadian promotional products industry is, is strong right now. I think people are excited and they're excited to get back to uh, – back to being together and we're seeing some of that so i think there's still there's still optimism in the air for sure yeah i I think you know the fact that this was covid one of the silver linings was that it was an opportunity for companies to reinvest in themselves and um like you're saying you're now reaping the benefits of that which is fantastic um yeah, I mean, I think like we all had hoped that everything would just kind of switch back to normal after COVID. And there are so many residual effects of the pandemic that we're now contending with. And it is making people cautious, um, which I, you know, I I think Canada specifically um, with all of the lockdowns and then lifting the lockdowns and lifting, it's, it's, it's you know, made people a bit skittish. So, um, uh, but, but overall, I think there is excitement in the air about what's next for Canada promo. Um, Kathy, I just want to jump back to you. Where are you seeing business opportunities right now, specifically in terms of perhaps markets that you're targeting and specific product categories that clients are looking for? Well, I think instead of specific categories, I think overall, there's a sentiment, as you had mentioned, Sarah, there's been so much lockdown. And now we're going through this phase where are we hybrid? Are we coming in and we're trying to get people back? So there's still a lot of people working from home and it's still quite peppered um, throughout. So I think people are not as engaged and, and companies are realizing that. But I think at the same time, people within organizations, they want to be part of something. And so when I look at branded merchandise, there's so much opportunity there because I see branded merch as being a bonding agent to get people to feel like they're part of something, right? It's the community building. It's using back in the day when, when we were doing things in office and community, it would be through meals. So think about it this way. If you used to do a, a, a breakfast meeting, right? You would buy people breakfast. But now we're doing it through branded merch. And I think that's a great opportunity. And, and something that I've started to notice as, you know, we're now turning these Zoom, you know, our, our Zoom boxes, I call them, into Instagrammable moments through branded merchandise. So let it be something that's on your desk. Let it be the amazing sweatshirt that you're wearing that's branded. Let it be, you know, all these things that you could see within a box of Zoom. I think those are all great opportunities for different product categories. Even if it's, think about a branded water bottle, uh, if it's a branded hat. So from apparel to um, hard goods, I think it is definitely an opportunity where companies are able to build communities through our Instagrammable Zoom box, as we would call it. Yeah, that's really well said, especially um, like you're saying how engagement has changed. I mean, I think engagement has always been like a it's always been a, a target and it's always been a, a goal of um, of corporations and companies that have a lot of people. And how do we keep people engaged? And that was when we were still in the office. And now that it's hybrid or we're at home, it means so much more now and it's so much more important and critical. So, yeah, I, mean, I think like you're saying, um, what what is a good um, alternative to like what we used to have? The breakfast meetings is promo. And how do we feature that when everything's remote? It's through that Zoom box, like you're saying. Um, yeah, I think that's that's really well said. And and Danny, you as well, like where are you seeing in um, as far as business opportunities and markets or categories or something like Kathy was saying, something that's come up because of COVID that's now a new opportunity for promo companies? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, first of all, I, I think it's interesting because I, I understand that Instagrammable Zoombox is the working title of the new Radiohead album that's coming out. Um, but <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel Instagrammable Zoombox? Um, business opportunities, I think, uh, I mean, as a bit of a, I guess, even a commercial for Redwood Classics, I mean, we're seeing lots of interest in ethically sourced product and sustainable product, uh, domestic Domestic products made a huge comeback, both uh, you know, right across North America, American-made and, and Canadian-made product. Um, we're finding that a lot of the buyers now are, are really a lot more interested in um, you know the origin of the product, how how it's produced. Um, they're asking a lot of questions that uh, you just simply weren't asked five years ago, ten years ago, even two years ago. Uh, 
things it seems to be less uh, a less price conscious buyer and someone that's just more concerned about producing a quality product that uh, you know to to use a term that uh, the Kathy mentioned earlier you know people don't want to create brand fill anymore the buyer is a lot more aware and they're a lot more informed so um, from a from a product category I would say that's that's where we're seeing opportunities uh, from just general business opportunities. I mean, for us, I think it's all about human capital right now. Uh, companies are, are having a tough time acquiring new employees still. And more importantly, it's it's been more difficult to retain employees. I mean, you're reading about the, the great resignation. I think people have had a lot of opportunity being at home with their family, um, going through hardships to reevaluate what's important in their lives. And I think folks just aren't willing to settle for a nine to five anymore. They want, they want more and they want more of their lives. So a lot of the conversations we're having with our, with our customers uh, across all, all different uh, categories are about, you know, how do you, how do you acquire new staff? How, how do you keep them engaged? How do you keep them engaged in the culture when maybe they're working remote um, or they're, you know, only in the office a couple of days a week. How do you, how do you keep people uh, engaged and, and feeling like they belong to, uh, to the organization? So that's certainly an area uh, that we're spending a lot of time. And, and then the other huge one kind of dovetailing on that would be in wellness. Uh, and again, companies are become more concerned about uh, having, you know, happy, healthy employees. So, you know, things like, uh, you know, yoga days and wellness days and um, even BAMCO, we, we had uh, a global mental health day where all 800 employees of BAMCO got the day off um, right in the middle of actually the, the Christmas buying season, which was, uh, which was uh, pretty amazing and, and needed. So I, I would say those are kind of the, the key areas we're seeing it. Um, but uh and a lot of that's just related to what's gone on the last couple of years. If I may also add, I think there's another opportunity where, you know, with remote working, I think part of that is giving the time and the autonomy back to the employee. And with that, I think we're also democratizing entrepreneurship. You know, I not not everyone has kids to take care of, right? And and or a family or, or whatnot. And, and so I think when you, when there's work from home, it allows you to be more flexible for your time, not only to be with your family um, and take care of domestic responsibilities and, you know, having that flexibility, but it's also really encouraging and allowing the younger generation, especially the Gen Z's and, you know, the millennials to democratize entrepreneurship through, through, through you know, platforms like Shopify. And that's also where we're seeing business opportunity growth is the rise of micro brands. You know, the brands that have been able to clearly communicate their reason to exist, their reason to be. And they're also looking for companies and suppliers that align, that there's value alignment. So I think that's another opportunity that um, perhaps, you know, I don't know if it's suppliers or distributors, but that's something that I, I personally believe our industry should pay attention to. Uh, the sprouting and, and the growth of entrepreneurship because there's just so many more tools to make it easier for budding entrepreneurs to get in the game or at least try. And let's be honest, they all need branding. Everyone wants to brand something, right? So I think that's that's something else that we should pay attention to. Yeah, I think there's like um, both of you are saying there's there's opportunities that have come out from um, these past couple of years. And it's it's refreshing, I think, to a lot of companies that have been pushing it for so long to to um, the fact that that more consumers are asking about uh, the ethical makeup of a, of a product or where it was made or how it was made. And that's been uh, such a push for so long. And now it's you know, it's it's becoming um, much more in demand among clients. And that's refreshing. And uh, sustainability as well. We just launched promo for the planet, which is uh, um, our uh, special content site for sustainable um, news and resources in the industry, which has been really, um, it's been received really well. And um, yeah, and like Yay. Kathy's saying that, yeah, yeah, Kathy's on Yay. board. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And uh, and then like Kathy was saying, you know, the the, um, the democratization of entrepreneurship and and micro brands and and really empowering people to build a brand, like anybody can do that these days. And, and promo has such an opportunity there that can really play a leading role in that. Um, so I wanted to jump to Kathy now again about what is 
what is concerning you? I mean, this can be perhaps your own your own business. This can be the wider economy in Canada. It can be both. Um, I know Danny used the R word recession. We're worried about that too here. I think we are approaching it pretty quickly. Um, but um, Kathy, if we could start with you here, like what are you concerned about? What kind of keeps you up at night? Um, and, and what are you are reassuring your employees about? Um, I think if I look at the macroeconomics, definitely volatility, you know, from that level. But I think companies who are aligned and live their core values, having those core values and the reason to exist allows them to withstand the storm. And I also believe that, you know, with especially with commodities, we're, we're going through a super cycle. Um, deglobalization, I think, is a theme that we're starting. We, we, we obviously suddenly had to deal with when COVID first hit us, but with all the, all the things that have happened as a result, um, you know, backups, COVID, what's happening in Ukraine, oil prices, I think that is an ongoing theme that isn't going to go away anytime soon. So I'd say that's decobalization. I think it's also really interesting as a result of inflation, um, because inflation is driving up wages. And maybe it's in the sense of pulling back, but that's also maybe looking at income redistribution. I think that's something to think about in terms of Canada specifically. I would say Canadians, we're sitting on excess of, if I remember correctly, I think it's like $300 billion. So these funds need to be deployed at some point. And so I actually have a, I'm optimistic. Sure, we we may be going through or we may be facing a recession, but I think it's more of a technical recession of a definition as opposed to it being a really low in the spending. Because with so much pent up and excess um, funds, it, it's a matter of time that it has to be deployed. So that's that's kind of where my thoughts on on a you know on, in terms of in terms of concern though. Um, as it pertains to my business, and I think a lot of other businesses, is staffing still, you know, great resignation is, is definitely um, a concern. Inflation is still a concern. Um, and, and the cost of goods um, and, you know, supply chain disruptions. Arguably, you know, at least from my perspective, and we're a local manufacturer, we're a domestic maker. If anything, I would say in the beginning of COVID, it was easier for us to manage and we had less supply chain issues at that time because we do inventory a lot of raw material. But as COVID started to play out, supply chain got a little bit better, but then it didn't. And now there's this huge backlog in, of course, what's happening in Asia and, and you know China and the factory shutting down. As much as we are domestic, there are raw materials, not just from China, but just globally that we need. And we have also found, at least in my textile industry, they're getting really big players essentially buying their own supply chain. So they are not able to, let's say, get yarn. So you know what? We're going to go buy the yarn company. I can't find a spinner. We're going to go buy the largest, you know, spinning, uh, spinning plants. And, and so that's where it becomes a little bit challenging, I think, for smaller players. Um, but overall, I, I think... I'm still optimistic, um, and and I think the message of let's all be kind and it be bit it be a, be patient. Um, that's what I've seen from this industry, and I'm very grateful for. You know, one of the one of the things that I always encourage our team members to share is explain up front why you know our turnover used to be you know we used to be able to turn turn an order over in 24 to 48 hours. Well, now it's a few days and it's a few days because of all these reasons. And so just kind of being vulnerable up front and sharing what the challenges are and having those conversations earlier in the conversation, like earlier, as opposed to kind of waiting till last minute, I, I strongly encourage that. And that's been something that we are very grateful that uh, our distributor partners that, that understand and, and we, you know, that have decided to continue to support us. And even end user brands, we're finding a lot of end user brands, um, you know, not that we sell to end users, but we do have end users that ask our distributors for our products. Um, and we've been very 
upfront. Um, if you go on our social media, we, we, we share and educate the marketplace and our community that supports um, ethically made, uh, high quality domestic production of apparel, which is what we supply. Great. Yeah, I think you're right, Kathy. It's, you know, it's interesting how, how, um, how many distributors I've talked to recently who said just what you're saying that they wish that suppliers um, would be more upfront and vulnerable. I, I think, like you said, in terms of the problems that they're facing, instead of waiting till it's a problem and then not being um, responsive or communicative and finding a solution for their distributors. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that like you're saying, it sounds like you've experienced um, like that leading with kindness, which is so great. Um, hopefully that continues in the industry and that it gets even better um, as we, you know, because we suppliers and distributors need each other, right? Like there, there isn't, can't be one without the other. So um, it, hopefully that continues in the industry and things start to improve, hopefully as the supply chain and, and the delays even out a bit. Um, yeah. And then, and then Danny, for you, you know, what are you concerned with right now economically? And then um, perhaps also BAMCO and um, perhaps what clients are asking for, maybe those that are slow to come back, um, still a little bit skittish, like we had said before. But yeah, what's, um, what are, what's on your mind these days? Oh, lots. <laughs> um, I mean, I think from my sales lens, I always, I'm always concerned when, uh, um, when inflation starts to rise, often the first thing that goes in a marketing budget is uh, is promo. So you know that's something that uh, that we'll watch very very closely. I mean, again, we haven't seen that happen yet, but um, that's something that that's certainly certainly concerning. Um, I think. I mean, speaking about our industry as a whole, I, I'd say what the promotional products industry. What, what probably concerns me the most is. Uh, just companies inability to uh, adapt, I guess, um, in, in, in tough times, um, which I understand is easier said than done. But I, I think so many companies really struggled with the pandemic and then, and then through the supply chain issues. And, and that's just because they aren't good at adaptation. And uh, I, I don't think that needs going away. And uh, I think, you know, we should expect uh, the need to continue, that need to continue for the next several years. And I, I think, I think it's, you know, like Kathy touched on, there's, there's so many, so many different things going on between the war in Ukraine and, uh, you know, the rising, rising uh, oil cost. It's all these sort of, um, seemingly unrelated things going on in the world that are ultimately, um, you know, affecting, affecting the economies uh, of the world. Uh, so um, I realize that's sort of a, a large, <laughs> a large picture I'm trying to paint, but I, I, I guess my point is I, I think that the changing landscape is going to continue to really reshape our industry. It, and I think it's going to happen in ways that's going to cause it to look uh, very different in, in the next five years. Um, from my perspective and from, from BAMCO's, from BAMCO's perspective as well. Yeah, I think, like you said, I, I, I think that um, we are on the verge of some big changes in this industry, just based on what I've heard from distributors and suppliers. Um, yeah, COVID accelerated a lot of things. And I think it's also fascinating how, how delicate, like the, 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 the supply chain is and how everything's interconnected. And one kind of like, quote unquote, like, like small thing can really impact residual effects down the line for months and even weeks, like after that. And it's, it's, it's crazy how delicate it all is this inter this interweaving of um, all the supply chains, all of the companies involved, how everything has to get to market. It just it again, like one one blip. And I mean, let alone like COVID, but one blip in the chain can have these residual impacts for, for so long after that. So um, it's it can be very challenging for companies. Yeah, I definitely, Sarah, just wanted to chime in with regards to what we're seeing and, and some of the larger end users that, again, we don't sell direct, but that are saying to distributors, hey, we want to support and we want to look at local options because they've recognized that, you know, because there's so much focus on budget that we became so globalized, which has its place don't get me wrong i think globalization is extremely important for growth but to be more conscious and in terms of consumption and and making those choices so instead of it used to be you know everything has to be i'm going to get the 
bang for its buck. It's now, hey, with our own spending, with our large corporate budget, are we able to make conscious consumption decisions, not as just individuals, as a, as a person working at a company, but also taking that huge budget as a corporation and saying, I'm going to invest in smaller businesses. I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to invest in businesses that will enable us and plant the seed for a stronger future because COVID has been such a wake-up call in supply chain. Yeah, mm, that's that's really well said. Yeah, it has been a wake-up call. Um, yeah, more intention, more um, conscious buying. Um, all of those things I know have you been on the forefront of that for so long. And I think um, it's really come to fruition now how critical that is in terms of buying. And, and like you were saying, like not, not contributing to brand fill, not contributing to the fast fashion cycle. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's coming to pass. And, and that's, I think, going to be a big part of the change that we're going to see in this industry that I think a lot of companies are going to find refreshing. Um, yeah. So and then, Kathy, finally, for you, my last question um, is, you know, your predictions for the summer, the fall months in terms of the economy in Canada, the health of the promo industry there. It looks like things are moving forward. Do you feel that that momentum is pretty strong and that um, things are on the up and up? Um, if I was to look at it from my perspective, I would say yes, it is up and up because as we started off, we, we have been cautiously optimistic, right? And things are opening up. But I think that's especially when the weather gets better and people, I'm, I mean, here I am, I'm like patios will start opening up and outdoor spaces. And in Canada, I wouldn't say all places in Canada are cold, but we still have our winters and we still have our four seasons. So with the summer um, coming upon us, I definitely see you know, restaurants, for example, the hospitality has been a huge hit in those industries. And I also believe that the businesses that are still around, um, they will thrive. It's almost, I, I really believe in survival of the fittest, you know, as you know, not to, to quote Darwinism here, but if you've gone through all the shutdowns that we've had, in particular in Ontario, and you managed to still be around, um, I am seeing that maybe you are going to get the boom and and again i'm just going to personalize this example um my crossfit gym you know they had to go through a lot as we know gyms there's a lot of smaller gyms out there and the gyms independent gyms have gone through a lot of challenges and now there's not a lot of gyms left because those ones couldn't survive but the strong ones the ones that had value and and had the value alignment with their community you know, their community has, now that things are opening up, we're coming back and we are supporting them with a roar. And that's where I, I'm, I think I'm personally seeing the optimism is, is because there's been so much focus on community building, especially during hard times, right? Think about yourself when you're going through hard times, um, let alone in your business, you're going to go to those that surround you and, and have supported you. And that's where I see optimism for a lot of smaller businesses too. Great, thank you. Yes, um, and, and uh, like you said, um, you know, the smaller companies have really taken the brunt of it. I know Canada, I believe, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I believe Canada has even more small businesses than the United States does. Um, just like the equivalent like per capita. There's just, it's a very small business oriented country. It's like the backbone of your country. And um, they were under a lot of pressure this year. That's for sure. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Danny, and what are you expecting the, in the summer into the fall? Um, you know, opportunities, changes, anything like that coming up for you? Yeah. I mean, Kathy talks about the four seasons in Ontario, uh, where I live in, in Winnipeg. We've got two seasons, winter and construction is sort of the, <laughs> the local joke here. Um, I, I think that uh, summer sales are going to be really strong. I mean, we're, we're seeing it already. The summer sales are strong. People are excited. Uh, this is really the first season where they're able to get back to, to attending large events and outdoor events like festivals and golf tournaments. So we're, we're seeing that. And uh, I think, you know, Canada was later, later to open up than, than most of the United States. So we're seeing a lot of that excitement now. So um, those orders are coming in and that's going to go on through the summer uh, where, you know, I, I, I take pause more towards the fall months. I just think, you know, there's so much uncertainty uh, in the world and so much uncertainty with uh, 
with this pandemic that, uh, I mean, it, it'd be foolish to say that things are going to be all, all roses and sunshines and unicorns uh, from here on out. Uh, I think, you know, I think there's going to be some choppy seas ahead. I think that's just the reality of it. And I think the companies that, uh, that are strong and well-footed and able to, to pivot and make adjustments uh, and sort of, you know, roll with the punches, as they say, are, are going to be just fine. Uh, I'm concerned more about the, the companies that are kind of stuck in their ways that, uh, you know, have uh, you know, sort of one, one concept of what a, what a business is supposed to look like. Um, I think those are the ones that are going to have some troubles. But uh, generally speaking, you know, I, I'm an optimistic person, and uh, I, think, uh, I think we're going to continue to see our industry grow uh, over the next, uh, over the next six, six to 12 months. Okay, great. Well said. Thank you, Danny. Um, that's all for me. Vinny, I'll hand it back to you for a few minutes. Yeah, for sure. I do have a, a question, um, and I did post in the, uh, in the uh, nest here at the very top. If you guys click on it, I did put a poll on our uh, ASI Central Twitter page a couple days ago, um, and I posed the question, would you feel comfortable attending a concert or sporting event, indoor or outdoor, at this time? Um, the answers were 100% comfortable, only if it's outdoors, yes, with vax. Uh, and mask uh, requirements or still too soon for me. Now, the results, I think, kind of reflect what I've been seeing the last couple months in America. Um, you know, two-thirds of the, of the results were 100% were comfortable. Um, and the second most popular response was, yes, with vax and mask requirements, that's 16%. Um, only if it's outdoors, 13%, and still too soon for me, 5%. Now, I've noticed, and I'm, and I'm not sure, sure if Sarah can back me up on this, but in the last two months, there has been this, this huge change in the mindset of Americans. Um, and I, I really feel like it's COVID fatigue setting in where things have opened up and people are just getting back to almost pre-pandemic levels in terms of engaging with others, going to concerts, going to events, going to restaurants. And I'm seeing that almost almost to a pre-pandemic level. Uh, my wife and I were big concert goers. Uh, you know, we're, we're like pedal to the pedal to the floor with concerts. And we, we've been to a few and we're actually pretty comfortable getting involved without uh, masks. Um, we're, we're both vaxxed, um, boosted. Uh, so we're not really, you know, the mask to me, I remember a couple months ago, we went to, um, we went to Disney and I think, I believe this was in March and we were under the impression that we were going to all be wearing masks, like masks, masks, masks. We got down there. Nobody was wearing masks within six hours. I just looked at my wife and I'm like, why are we bothering? So we stopped wearing the mask. And I think we became comfortable because we came back. We were fine. Everybody was fine. And we kind of got that feeling like, Hey, you know, are things back to normal? So in America and, and Sarah, like I said, this may not be what you're seeing, but I'm getting the impression that people are just like, we're done with, we're done with COVID. I want to just get back into events, doing things, conferences, trade shows, sporting events, concerts. Um, and it seems like that's the majority here. What is the, what is the mindset of the consumer in Canada when it comes to, going to large events, getting back to trade shows, getting back to conferences? Um, I think overall I'm seeing there, it's, it's cautious. Um, it's a mixed bag as well. Uh, I think it also depends on the venue and what you're doing. So for example, I, I, part of it is it was, as, as Sarah had mentioned, it's so centralized in terms of the government telling us we should, what we should, should, should do. Um, you know, depending on the environment, if I'm at a restaurant, I am still used to, and I will, but when I walk into the restaurant, I'll have a mask on, but once I get seated, which was really the, the, the rules for the longest time when I get seated and I'm amongst those that I know are vaccinated within those that are my close quarters, um, that I have a bit more understanding of their vaccination and, you know, kind of know who is around me, then I become much more comfortable and, and I let my guard down. 
So in my humble opinion, I think it's still very cautious. Like, for example, the other one is schools. In Ontario, students do not need to wear masks. It's not required. Um, but for me, my kids are so used to it. Um, and they do wear our Redwood Classics, 100% cotton mask. So it's like, it's totally breathable. And they're so used to wearing it. I asked them, you know, you want to leave it on? And they're like, that's totally fine. But they have had um, classmates in their class that, you know, parents were like, feel free, you don't have to wear your mask. And a majority of those students actually ended up getting COVID. My kids are both vaxxed, uh, double vaxxed. And, and so, you know, it's not necessarily um, a must, but I think cautious optimism is still there. And again, as the weather warms up and we're more outdoors, I think that's where we're going to see the inhibitions come down as well. Thank you, Kathy. What about you, Danny? What What are you seeing um, in in uh, Manitoba? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd agree with Kathy in that you know Canadians are just a little bit more conservative as a rule than uh, than our neighbors to the in the south, um, but. Uh, I mean, I guess personally speaking, I, I, I'm like I went, uh, I left. I went on my actually first time on a plane in about uh, two years, or maybe it was my second time. The first time leaving the country, I went. I went to Phoenix, and uh, you know, in Manitoba, we were still in like a full. We weren't in a lockdown, but it was you know still masks everywhere in public. And I you know got off, got out of the airport in in Phoenix, and it was like stepping back in time or something and nobody was wearing masks nobody was you know you didn't have to show a vaccination card or i mean if you you know if you saw the odd person wearing a mask somewhere you, you knew they were canadian <laughs> it was kind of the joke that uh, that we had um so that i mean that i think to your point Vin, that kind of like got me back used to you know saying okay it's it's okay to start getting on with life again and i mean again it's a that, that's a personal decision. Um, I'm still cautious. I've got, uh, you know, I've got older, older parents, um, you know, I've got, uh, you know, one younger child. So, you know, I, I want to be responsible, but I think, you know, personally, I, I'm sort of feeling that fatigue. And I think that's the, you know, consensus feeling uh, in, in Manitoba is people are just, you know, ready to get back at it. You go to a, you know, I went to a jet game before, uh, our season was unceremoniously uh, ended, but I won't get into that. But it, I would say 90, 90% of the people in the crowd, you know, of uh, 15,000 were, were not wearing masks um, in a facility where you have to be vaccinated to attend. So uh, I think people are ready to get back at it. And I think people are doing what they're comfortable doing, uh, which is, I think, the way we're going to need to live with this thing uh, for the foreseeable future anyway. Thanks, Danny. As a New York Rangers fan, I can I can tell you, you know, like I've been through that pain um, a lot of times, but the, the <laughs> Rangers are looking good this year. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get out of this round of the playoffs. But again, the the, the reason I asked this question about, um, you know, sort of the temperature of the consumer is because in the last couple of months, COVID has kind of just plummeted in terms of cases. But now I'm and Sarah, you know, I haven't been checking the numbers all of a sudden in the last couple of weeks, I've been checking the numbers and they're going up. And now I'm reading about this new variant and I'm wondering like, what is going to be the mindset of people now that we have a potential contagious variant that sort of emulates the one from last year is now it's, you know, we're going to see more cases. Are people just going to say, I, I'm done with this. I don't care. I know people in my town who have, who've gotten, COVID recently. And I'm just wondering how, how this is going to play out, how this is going to affect things. Um, you know, my gut instinct just feels like as Americans, we're just going to plow through this. Uh, you know, concerts aren't going to be uh, postponed. They're just going to keep, they're going to have them, whether or not you show up, ask for refund. I think it's going to be up to you. Uh, but I, I do, you know, we have to remember that this thing is still here. It's, it's not going away uh, as much as we'd like it to go away. It's just following this this weird cycle that has been for the last two years. It's it's down, it's up, it's down, it's up, and it looks like it's it's coming back up again. I don't, you know, I looked at the numbers in the northeast. The northeast seems to to be where the concentration of cases are right now. You know, but is this going to spread out throughout the country again? 
I hope not. I just hope that, you know, this becomes kind of, you know, just a minor up and down, not like it was the last uh, two years, but, you know, we'll see. And I hope it doesn't affect the mindset of the consumer. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we just stay on course here. We just published an, uh, an article about, you know, events and, and, you know, concerts being back, you know, pre-pandemic levels are not back to where they, they were in 2019, but, you know, there's a cautious optimism there that, you know, things are going to be back at least to what we considered somewhat normal. So, but anyway, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, this was a really good conversation. Uh, I know we had Kate from Clear Mountain here. I was going to ask her to um, maybe jump in uh, with some comments, but uh, she has dropped out. Uh, but again, thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Danny. And of course, thank you, Sarah, for, for hosting we will have an archive of this um, next week, I believe. Um, Sarah, when did you want it, want to have this posted? Yeah, if we could have it by uh, next week because we have um, Canada Permagram in a week, the 27th. So if okay. we could have the content ready for that, that would be great. Excellent. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I could probably have it done early next week. So, um, yeah, again, and of course, we're recording this and once – this is the first time that I've used promos uh, or spaces where the actual record function will will spit out an archive into actual Twitter. You don't, I don't have to request the the audio archive. So I'm curious to see what this looks like after the fact. We may have to wait 20 minutes, but we may have the archive right there on ASI Central's Twitter page. So you may be able to share this, Kathy and Danny, uh, into your social channels. So. Um, yeah, this is one of the benefits of Twitter. They're always improving their their features, and this is one of them. You know, the, the recording is going to be available um, shortly from them. So, again, thank you for your time, everyone, uh, and have a great weekend. Yes, thank you for having thank us. You. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Have uh, have a great weekend. Have a great long weekend, Kathy. Okay. Yes, you too. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye. 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 Take care, everyone.